Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama, and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues today in Santa Fe, New Mexico, the Glass Key Trio. We'll talk with Jeremy Blake right after we talk about Vermont, River Ridge Farms, Jeffersonville. Vermont's recreation lover's dream is a gorgeous vacation rental nestled in the green mountains of Vermont. River Ridge Farms is an escape to everything wonderful Vermont has to offer. This historic farmhouse is set atop 16 acres of fields with mountainous views, a pasture, a pond, a tree-lined river frontage. They're taking reservations already for the summer. And that's something. Talk to the host, Diana, about setting up whatever you want to do. There's an interaction with the animals there where you get to pet the pigs and the cows or just kick back and relax in this modern day farmhouse that sleeps 11 comfortably. There's enough space there to throw events or you can just relax and rejuvenate in the beauty of that which is Vermont's landscape. Check them out, River Ridge Farms. They're on Facebook, but you won't find them just by checking out River Ridge Farms because there's dozens of them on Facebook and on Airbnb. So you need to single out Jeffersonville. That's Facebook, River Ridge Farms, Jeffersonville, or through Airbnb, River Ridge Farms, Vermont's recreation lover's dream. When I started this podcast concept a little over a year ago, uh, Jeremy, I I thought I'm going to have such a variety. I hope I get jazz. I hope I get jazz. And I'm getting hit with so much jazz. I'm loving it. I'm loving it because I'm a huge, I became a huge jazz fan when I moved to Burlington, Vermont, because they have a big jazz festival. And you said uh, in moments ago, we were talking off mic that, uh, that you've played there. So tell us about the Glass Key Trio, how you guys came together, and if there's a connection between that and Vermont. Uh, well, there's no there's no connection, I guess, besides myself in terms of uh, Vermont. But uh, I, I have another trio called Birth that used to play pretty regular at the higher ground um, in Burlington um, and, and had some really wonderful um, wonderful times up there. I, we were talking about meeting uh, Oysterhead. Yeah. And uh, I was just remembering the name of the band, one of the names of the bands. Um, maybe you would remember there was a band called Deep Banana Blackout. Does that sound, <laughs> sound familiar? <laughs> no. So we ended up playing kind of a jam band kind of thing. That was yeah. kind of a scene, you know, that was happening on the East Coast. Um, but that group played quite a bit in New York City. And, and we ventured up to Vermont a few times. And I, I remember just one of the things I remember about Vermont was um, when you when you're driving up from New York City, um it it's it's not not super incredible and then you all of a sudden you cross the vermont border and it's like the most extraordinary beauty mountainous you know one of the most beautiful places and yeah really really beautiful and the yeah the evergreens and the which you know kind of reminds me a little bit about being out here in santa fe up in the mountains i live i live in a valley that's in the south yeah. yeah. So, so my trio hasn't been out there yet. We the furthest we we did a tour last last year. The furthest east we got was um, probably Rochester, New York. Uh, we played at a place called the Pop, which is a really fantastic record store. If you've ever had a chance to go to Rochester, it's one of the most incredible record stores you'll ever ever encounter. And and the owner puts on shows there, and he really um. 
is it promotes a lot of kind of cutting edge avant-garde jazz um and he's got this crazy you know this crazy huge shop with millions of records and then you go to his house and he's got millions of records there every wall is filled with records yeah and um it's just like this inundation you know it's like it's like a mecca <laughs> final. <laughs> Yeah. Well, who is the Glass Key Trio? Tell us who's in, in your band. Yeah, so Glass Key Trio is a trio. Um, I play guitar. I'm the composer. Um, and then a good friend of mine, Milton Villarubia, plays the drums. He's a drummer who uh, lives in Santa Fe. He um, is originally from New Orleans. Um, and uh, we've been playing music together since I moved out here. Um, actually, before that, I used to play with him in New Orleans on occasion. Um, we both had a Santa Fe connection before we lived here. Um, he ended up leaving Night um, of Katrina, and he went to Santa Fe, I think largely because it was uh, there was no chance that it could get flooded. <laughs> he had such a reaction to the Katrina. And there was, you know, there's a mass exodus at that time of musicians. He ended up in Santa Fe. And then the bass player named Paul Brown, um, who's originally from San Francisco, um, who's an extraordinary uh, Balkan musician. He's kind of like the Balkan bass player. He plays all the Balkan music camps, and he plays a lot with a lot of uh, Balkan musicians in this part of the world. And he's always kind of in high demand. And he's been in Santa Fe for um, longer than any of us, but he moved to New York City about a year ago. So he's living in um, in Manhattan now. How do you guys get together then if he's Balkan in music? If he's in Manhattan and you're in Santa Fe, how does the Glass Key Trio get together? Yeah, it's usually just tours. Um, we're planning a, a summer tour on the West Coast. He's going to come in um, in February. He's going to be for about a month, and we're going to record. Um, we're going to go in the studio and record our second full-length record. And then um, the next thing will be um, probably playing in um, Phoenix and Tucson, L.A., San Francisco, and Portland, I think we'll probably be the next thing for us in july the middle of july how did you come together originally like how did you because you said that uh, you and milton didn't know each other you just had a santa fe connection but you really didn't know well each other. we knew each other no we had met um probably somewhere around 2004 he actually knew of me um my group the other group that i play with called birth had a bit of a reputation um and there were some musicians in new orleans um, that were checking out our music. So we had a little bit of a reputation in New Orleans, and he had heard of us before I had met him. And then there was a really fantastic uh, music festival that was happening around this time. This was like the early 2000s in Santa Fe called the High Mayhem, High Mayhem Festival. Uh -huh. And they were bringing people from all over the country to play mostly kind of avant-garde music, experimental music, experimental electronic music, experimental jazz music. Um and experimental rock music and um it's just a fantastic three-day festival and i think the first time i met milton was there and he may have been um, a student at the college of santa fe at the time i'm not sure and then i i, I actually played with him in new orleans um just before katrina uh -huh. and then we ended up both ended up in santa fe around the same time in around 2006 2005 2006 and we've been playing in various projects ever since and so many different kinds of music. Um, the first thing we did together was kind of like a country band. And then we played all sorts of different kinds of experimental music, uh, electronic music, um, just all over the board. And and Paul is another musician that I've worked with in a variety of different settings. 
Um, I used to be a music director for a, an organization out here called Life Songs that would work with people with um, memory loss or at the end of their life, and we'd uh-huh. create music with them. Well, that's wonderful. To help them regain their memory. It was that's a so wonderful, cool. that's beautiful so cool experience. That you do that. And, um, yeah, that's yeah, one of the things I've had the opportunity to do. And um, so he he was one of the people that I would call to to fill the bass chair often in that um, in that organization. So and, and also we both taught at the College of Santa Fe together. He was one of the musicians who taught, or one of the teachers who taught Balkan music. Okay, you're saying and I taught. Uh, you're saying like Balkan, music. like the like the like Bosnia, Monte, uh, Mont- yeah. whatever yeah. is that part of the country <laughs> yeah mesopotamia that's, that's that, the part of the, that part of the world yeah right yeah yeah, yeah the eastern european it's kind of like eastern european which i know a little bit about um i, I play the oud so I'm, I'm a little more versed in arabic music and um turkish music okay they all kind of have a similar kind of bent go further it's interesting to watch the progression like between from the west to the east and how it gets more and more and more, you know, kind of um, exotic. And, you know, you go to Persian music and then Indian music. It's, you can uh-huh. kind of see a progression, much see the progression in America from the south to the north. And, you know, how, how the music generation after generation influences. So it's that's always been an interest of mine. And, and since I play the oud, and, and, and so does Paul, actually, the bass player. He also plays the oud. Um, a lot of that kind of influence, Balkan music and Middle Eastern music kind of in a subtle way comes into Glass Key Trio's music, which is, you know, kind of equal parts, you know, that and equal parts country and equal parts jazz. It's 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 kind of like a, you know, an amalgamation of a, of a and rock music. It's an amalgamation of, of kind of all the things we love as musicians, when which hopefully of, makes something new. That's kind of the yeah. idea. Yeah. When I think of jazz a lot, there's a lot of improv, you know. Just, I mean, jazz is improv, <laughs> you know, for a lot of it. Uh, are there specific songs you'll cover that you'll you'll do your improvisation on that you like that you you always do because it it the three of you just it clicks so well. Yeah, it's you know, it's very much. Um, I mean, like all the compositions are mine. They're all. Um, although we do do some 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 cover stuff every once in a while. In fact, I have a whole bunch of covers that are kind of waiting. I, I want to do kind of a show of covers, uh-huh. um, and they're all none of them are jazz songs. Maybe one is a jazz song. Um, the rest are all kind of like pop songs or things from other cultures. Um, I was just playing this uh, Brazilian song that I think I might do. Um, but um, as far as like the one of the things that I'm interested in, it's not kind of like the traditional jazz, which is basically like, a t- you know, you have a song, a tune, and then you improvise over the tune. Right. Um, usually, you know, you state the melody, you play the solo, and then somebody else plays the solo. And then at the end, you come back to the melody, right? That's the familiar kind of jazz tradition. Um, my music is, I think it's in a lot of ways, it's more like prog rock in that in that it's it has a lot of different sections. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's through composed, like classical music and then there'll be one sort of element that is brought in um that becomes the the thing that's the vehicle for the improvisation um and sometimes it's structured and sometimes it's open i tend to prefer things that are open and not as structured because it it, it makes it a little more spontaneous and then it it feels to me like like you say jazz music is you know is about improvisation um i always think of jazz music 
and certainly it is as being kind of like a conversation that people have together. Uh -huh. um, and so the, you know, the more you, you know each other and the more, you know, nuanced you are in whatever subject you're talking about, the more interesting the conversation can be. So that's kind of where I'm trying to come out of, or we're trying to come out of as a group is just to have an interesting conversation, interesting enough for people to listen to it. You yeah. know, cause a I'm, lot of times, you know, you don't want to hear anybody's conversation, right? You don't want to, <laughs> you don't walk into a restaurant. And, oh, more of those people so the choice in over here, I want to hear what thing, say. Right? <laughs> I've heard a couple other right, right. It's refer, a to, refer to jazz as a conversation. That's really clever. And, and that explains to me, like, I love jazz. I love jazz live, but if I listen to it, yeah, at home or on my car radio, I, I get distracted really easily, you know. But when I'm there and I'm watching jazz, yeah. I'm watching the conversation. I'm watching this performance and I'm watching, yeah, yeah. Like, like the way I define jazz is like there's two things that happen with me with jazz when I'm watching it. It goes where I think it's going to go and I go, oh, yeah. And then, or it goes nowhere I was expecting, like, oh, yeah. So I have the same yeah, experience, right, exactly. you know, same yeah. reaction, but to do uh, yeah. from two different outcomes or two different presentations. And to me, that's what's so much fun about jazz. You really don't know where it's 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 a thinking man's music almost. You know, you, it's like chess. For yeah. Music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It can be very intellectual, uh, and, and I enjoy that. Um, I think the older I get, the less or, or the less motivated I am by the. Um, the, the the cleverness of it and the more motivated i'm motivated by what can happen in the heart and i think a lot of it is just about you know as you get older hopefully you know things start to move from here to here you know right so that you're you're a little less motivated by you know by the ego or by the you know by the game of it although yeah. that's fun too you know and there's a lot of that we play when we play music and i mean one of the things that i think i'm mostly motivated by in, in terms of that kind of the intellectual aspect of things is structure and meter a lot of uh -huh. a lot of my music is is you know is metrically complicated um which is kind of like balkan influenced or that kind of classical or, or contemporary classical or, or prog rock even influence yeah. and and that has, that and, and and complicated structures kind of become where the the mind is at. So it's more in the composition, and then the improvisation. I, I'm hoping is more of that spontaneous, you know, whatever can happen. You uh -huh. know, you're walking down the street, and there's a, you know, there's a there's a hole in the middle of the road. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to maneuver around that. You know, it's yeah. kind of like the objects that become, you know. The landscape is kind of the way I, I think of it more more so than like playing through a bunch of changes or, or that, you know, which happens sometimes in the music too, but it's not the main motivator. So the in traditional jazz, the, the first song we're going to listen to here is called Back of Beyond Boots. I want to address that title in a moment, but uh, what style would that fall into then? At the, as you just explained, which what style would that be? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of a country song. Um, I, I find one of the things that I've always, ever since I was little, I was kind of raised not on country, but on but on a lot of kind of like Southern rock and, and things that, you know, things that were popular on the television. You know, being a kid growing up in the 70s and watching like Hee Haw or, um, you know, things that were popular culture. Right. You know, my first, one of my first, I had two big musical obsessions when I was about four years old. One was 
Frank Sinatra and the other one was Glenn Campbell. So in a sense, I think a lot of the music, actually, I'm just, I'm just having a revelation right now, Tom, <laughs> is, is really up coming from that. It's like the love of like the jazz thing and the love of the country thing and how those two things kind of come, can come together. And of course, there's a, this is not new. This is something that, you know, has been happening for a long time since, you know, the 50s, really, where people, you know, people were being able to kind of navigate between those styles. I mean, those are the two, you know, great kind of American traditions that came from the blues, I think, is country music and jazz music, later rock music. So those, you know, to me, it's, it's really about American music. So Back of Beyond Boots is kind of like a, an expression of a, kind of an Americana, you know, you can call it country. Um, I just, I would just say it's American, American music. Well, without putting it in a pigeonhole, we'll, uh, we'll play it and let the audience decide what they want to call it. Because that's, that's what I'm finding out a lot lately when I ask people, I'll say, well, is that kind of a bluegrass song? Well, no, it's really Americana. Is that kind of country? No, it's Americana. So Americana is becoming this broad umbrella that a lot of different types are falling and, under. And, you know, it's, it's funny because um, I, I, I realized this recently too. Um, so one of the, one of the more contemporary uh, Americana songwriters <laughs> that we, that I like to listen to is a guy named Jason Isbell, really fantastic. You know, you know, back yeah. in the day, we would have just called that country music, but country music is now so commodified and so commercialized. Mm -hmm. Um that they actually have to call serious songwriters Americana music. It's no longer country music. You know, country music is now, you know, you know, trucks and beers and whatever other cliches they throw into it. You know, it's almost the same thing. It's it's happening in 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 popular hip hop music where it's like, you know, there's like a, a series of cliche cliches that are, you know, become make make something a pop kind of hip hop song or country yeah. song. They're almost the same thing, in my view. But what I'm interested in, in the terms of the, the term Americana, which, you know, people have been using to describe, I guess, singer-songwriters since probably like the 90s or so, mm -hmm. um, is more coming from uh, what I would call, um, there's a great composer, um, maybe some of your listeners will be familiar with, and if they're not, they should be, named Charles Ives, who's a huge hero of mine. Um, Charles Ives was an comp American composer, and he was one of the first American composers to really bring in american like quoting american songs and american structures american styles and american folk music and stuff and what really the first serious american composer as as it was you know kind of uh history is kind of you know marked it that way at least um and he would use the word or, or people would describe the term americana as basically not not a style like country music or hip hop music or jazz music, but, but as kind of a, a cultural catch all for, you know, the, the folk tradition of America, it could be partly yeah. music. It could be something else. It could be food. It could be film. It could be, you know, there's an American style. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I refer to the term Americana, not that I'm going to change anything in, in, the, <laughs> in the popular music landscape, terminology but i think of when i think of the term americana that's that's what i'm thinking of is and and when i write music i'm thinking in terms of this definition of americana like yeah. what what is it to, what is the culture of america not stylistically speaking and or or falling into categories or or cultures as much as it is kind of like this amalgamation of the progression of american culture 
which is a big thing, I guess. But um, that's kind <laughs> of where it's at for me. Well, tell me about the title of this song, because it is kind of, to me, it's kind of awkward or clumsy, maybe. So it's Back of Beyond yeah. Hoops. Explain that yeah, title. Yeah. What that? Yeah. What's that? What is that conveying? It, well, it's funny because it's probably the one song that doesn't really convey anything. I think it's just an alliteration <laughs> that I thought was kind of. Um, I mean, the boots thing, I guess you know, has to do with kind of the idea of you know, kind of this American culture thing. Yeah. I mean, the other song we were you were talking about, I think one of the other songs we chose was Clodhopper. Yeah. You know, which is a very specific thing you know yeah. that's i mean that's that means something you know back of beyond boots i think it's mostly just the way it sounds it's a good alliteration it's yeah. kind of like an, an if you will with no meaning <laughs> well it, it's got some meaning and we're gonna listen to the meaning of that right now the song is back of beyond boots our guest today the glass key trio and of course our our guest jeremy like who's with us we'll talk about some more music in a bit but right now we're going to listen to this one it's back of beyond boots here on the music of america podcast
Well, now we understand Back of Beyond Boots, the Glass Key Trio here on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard, and we'll be back with Jeremy Blythe after I talk about litter boxes because, you know, I don't like cats. But this is really simple. Uh, you buy Kitty's litter box. You open the box. You place litter in the box. Introduce the box to your cat. And when the cat has done their business for about a month or so, you close the box and you throw it away. That's it. Just close the box of the biodegradable box, grab it by the handle, toss it away. It's perfect for traveling with your favorite feline. It's affordable. It's convenient. It's the one thing about cats I really didn't like. Cats are okay, I guess, but I really hated the job of cleaning the litter box. I don't know how it became my job, but now, you know, if Kitty's litter box were around maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, who knows? Maybe I would still have cats. It's called Kitty's Litter Box, all lowercase, kittieslitterbox.com. Order today. It's perfect my favorite pun <laughs> our guest is jeremy jeremy blake and he's, he's laughing over my pun about the, the kitty's litter box huh <laughs> now you said you wrote all of the are composed i worked for i work for a cat there's a cat that you know is my boss in the house right oh now, and i just <laughs> i just work for her she's she's in what? charge Yep, we had cats when my kids were growing up. We had cats, we had chinchillas, and we worked our way into dogs. Dogs I can tolerate. Chinchillas are worse yeah. than cats, by the way. They're if you don't have them out and fondle and play with them and pet them every single day, they'll have nothing to do with you. They're rodents. And you know, they, they sense us as predators. So if you're not giving them just undying attention, they'll run. So funny yeah. story about that. We went on vacation once. We left the two female chinchillas in the cage went to texas for a long weekend we came back and there were babies so we found out that oh, no. one female was not a female <laughs> so all right so the glass key trio you guys eventually came together there in santa fe did you, and when you get together now you tour where do you tour do you tour just out west do you tour all over the country we were trying to cover everything we're, we so we played um our first tour was in south we played uh austin we played butler university there a friend of mine is uh runs the uh the recording studio in butler uh-huh. or it's a ut it's a ut um and then we played new orleans we spent a couple days playing in new orleans we have a lot of friends like i said the drummer's from there but we have a lot of friends there so we played a lot of music there and then we played in mississippi and jackson and then nashville we usually could only go out for about a week that's what I was wanting to do. Set up like this week we're going to tour, but we're going to go to this part of the country, and then you you line up a series of yeah. shows. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. And then last summer we went um, we went a little further north, a little for, further east. We played in um, uh, Rochester and Ithaca. Yeah, we played my hometown, which is Cleveland, uh-huh. and we played um, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. You should come on down to St. Louis, man. Yeah, I should. You know, I, I don't think I've ever played in St. Louis. That's something. I mean, you know, WC Handy, my St. Louis Blues. You know, WC Handy, Ragtime. Uh, like, I got in a conversation. We've got a, a big blues museum and a big blues heritage here in St. Louis. In fact, Highway 61 goes from Chicago to St. Louis to Memphis through the Delta into New Orleans. And there's a restaurant in St. Louis yeah. called the Highway 61 Roadhouse, and they have food featured from Chicago st louis yeah. uh memphis the yeah. delta and and new orleans it's really fun but uh yeah next time you're you're doing that, that 
the trip, man. Uh, when I move moved from Vermont to Missouri for the winter, we came through Rochester, came through, uh, that was at Highway 90. Is that the stretch that goes across northern New yeah. York? Yeah. Yeah, the 90. Yeah, took that over to Buffalo and then south to Cleveland and then into yeah. Indianapolis yeah. and then uh, from Indianapolis came on straight on in St. Louis. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my travel log. Yeah. So, uh, but that's how, that's yeah, how no, you guys do it. Maybe maybe we can set something up in St. Louis. I mean, we definitely want to, you know. So the next the next thing we're trying to do is the West Coast, uh -huh. or at least you know, kind of west of New Mexico, um, and then um, you know maybe we'll try to do something uh, another you know either another thing in the South. I I really like the South because I just love to be in the South, actually because yeah. of the food actually. And so, um, but I I, I would like. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about trying to get to Europe too. I think Europe is a, you know, it's a great experience. And I, I feel like, um, you know, people, it's interesting going and playing in, in Europe because people have, a lot of times I'm always surprised by how much more people know about our music yeah. in Europe than Americans do. Um, you know, they're real students of, of the culture because it's not their culture. So, right. you know, kind of the way I feel about, you know, European, Eastern European music or or whatever you know music that's foreign to my my culture um you know I, I think people feel about us it's it's interesting to see america viewed that way yeah so um yeah, i'd like to bring this music over there and see how they would react to it that'd be interesting because it's uh oh what is it uh there's a there's a saying about uh um oh I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank i'll just edit this out <laughs> There's something Jesus said, though. It's something about Jesus and a, a prophet's not welcome in his own town or something like that. So it's kind of along that line. It, pardon? Yeah, he's not welcome in his own land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'd be interesting to yeah, see how definitely. your Eastern influence <laughs> music is received by Eastern Europeans, Balkans, you know, the Balkans. Yeah, yeah, it might be interesting if we can get that far. far. It's a yeah. little scary over there right now. You know, I mean, that's the other thing is like, you know, the map gets smaller and smaller because, you know, I mean, like I was in Turkey, I was playing Oud in Turkey and was it 2013. And, you know, shortly after that, they had this crazy situation where, you know, they, the guy they that's been in power I, almost since then, you know, he's, he's a little, you know, autocratic and, yeah. you know, so I, I love Turkey was fantastic i loved it and, and now i'm afraid not afraid but you know i'm, I'm hesitant to spend time there now you know as, as things change i mean even like you know i have this fantasy i had a, a grandmother from or my, my dip my father's side was from bucharest and and my grandfather although we don't know exactly where he's from we believe he's romanian and i always wanted to take a motorcycle trip you know between bucharest and budapest and you know via kind of you know, explore that area and see it firsthand since no one in my family, had, you know, had been back there since my grandparents. But, you know, I, I don't think either of those places are a good place to go right now. So, yeah, it's, it's a little sad in that regard. I'm curious about one. Uh, I'm curious about a lot of things, but I'm curious about something like the we talked earlier about the next song is called Claude Hopper. And it's it's a it's a term that we use re regarding shoes, footwear. But what if somebody yeah. in in Romania? What if somebody in France? Somebody in uh, Eastern or Western Europe don't know what a clod hopper is? Yeah, how would you explain? I think that? they do. I don't know the word, but they probably know what it is. So, 
you may have noticed that a lot of the titles have a little little bit of a um um I don't want to say political, but class kind of um, identifying structure in the titles. Um, some of them are men okay. and some of them are a little more easy. Uh, the term clodhopper, I, I had a list of like, you know, cute, old, weird American words that are kind of antiquated that people don't use anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and clodhopper is probably one of the more well-known ones today. So we think about that word and we think about shoes, right? Which you had said earlier. But a clodhopper is really a, a, a classist um, statement. It's, a, it's to describe people who work in the fields. And so on their shoes, they get straw and mud. Oh. And so it's it's kind of a derogatory term for people who work in the fields. Uh-huh. Clodhopper. Well, I guarantee that um, people in, in would be able to relate to that to, <laughs> to some degree. So does the song, uh, how does the song correlate with clodhoppers? Well, I think the song's pretty joyous and happy, so I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like a revolutionary song or you know anything kind of grievous um okay. most of the time the, the titles and the and the music itself um they they i don't, don't want to say they're unrelated sometimes they're very related but but many times they're just kind of you know a, a sound or you know like the music is a sound and the word is a sound uh-huh. it might invoke some curiosity i don't know how much the music in the in the title claude hopper are actually related to each other Okay. Um, yeah, I don't want to be responsible like a, for a big migrant uh, farmer up, uprising or something, you know. No, <laughs> I'm not thinking about migrant farmers when I played that song. Uh, I did. I do think that it does have, you know, it, it definitely evokes that um, that style. You know, it's it's not yeah. it's not highbrow music. It's it does have a kind of an Americana kind of vibe to it. So back to that again. Yeah. Um, in that sense, they're in the they're at least in the same universe. Okay, I get it. Well, we'll give it a listen here. Again, the band is the Glass Key Trio, and our guest is Jeremy Blake here on the Music of America podcast, this song, Clodhopper.
Glass Key Trio and the song called Cloudhopper here on the Music of America podcast. You know, we've all done this, right? You find that perfect tone when you're looking for, you know, when you're setting up, you're playing throughout the course of the night, you finally find it, you find that spot, and then the club owner walks up and says, you know what, you're you're a little too loud. I need you to turn it down or something like that. So you got to change that, which you spent all evening trying to achieve, that spot, that sweet spot, right? Well, introducing the Lexi from Landry Amps. The Lexi is a 100-watt amp that has at its core a vintage plexi circuit. The Lexi has a rhythm crunch channel, a boosted lead channel. It has digital reverb, a two-buffered effects loop, depth control, and an awesome voice switch. It has considerably more gain than a plexi does at volumes ranging from a whisper all the way to concert volumes, and it's designed to be played at those lower volumes without losing that tone. The two channels each have their own gain and master volume control, but they share the EQ. Check it out. You can see it at Landry Amps. They have a YouTube channel where you can see all of Bill Landry's amps and decide which one is best for you. Or go to his website. It's Bill Landry, Landry Amps at www.landryamps.com. What kind of rig do you play through, Jeremy? I have um actually it's it's behind me now as a matter of fact. Um oh. I use a Fender Princeton. Yeah. It's a nineteen seventy eight. Um it's it's definitely a, a not a high watt amp, it's a fifteen watt. I think they're fifteen watts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's fifteen watts. Um, and then I have uh, underneath that uh, there's a, a cabinet that was custom made. Um it's an old cabinet I've had for years, but I had some speakers put in it. Um I can't remember the name of the speakers. I wish I should have uh, thought about that. Um, but a buddy of mine put these two speakers in. Um, they're they're slightly a little bit different, and um, I really wanted to have something I could use for both guitar and bass. So they're a little bit darker, um, uh-huh. and so sometimes I'll I'll use bass as well. Um, but right now I'm running those that cabinet and and that amp, and then I have a, a variety of effects processing that I use as well. Um, and then I have this. This is my new baby. This is a bomb guitar. These are. Um, made in denmark oh wow um, i've been um, playing off of this it's a, it's kind of a, a kind of kind of a similar to kind of like a, a jaguar or something like that it's a, it's a semi-hollow body right i have this and then i have the guitar that's actually on the album is called a bng and that's a really interesting handmade guitar um those are made in israel oh. um and uh and then i used a guitar which is this is from the 1920s it's an old uh, galliano parlor guitar well, it looks beautiful. Um, which is a, yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's it's a really beautiful sounding guitar. I have this thing for parlor guitars. They just have a really beautiful sound, and they record really well. Uh-huh. Um, and the, so the BNG the and the this guitar, this parlor guitar, both on the record. Um, and there's a lot of um, there's also a lot of effects processing that mm-hmm. happens. Some of it's post as well, you know, live. Um, but um, that's another aspect that I'm interested in is is how how you can process the signal. The like life a lot of delays. The life that I retired from was in pest control, and I'm sure you've seen the metal spray cans that guys walk around. Big, yes. uh, it's called a B and G sprayer. Like, oh, like okay, what, excellent. Isn't that funny? So, B and G has a whole different funny. meaning to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does. No, there that guitar was. Um, I was kind of coveting it for years. They're very expensive, and um, I, I just kind of resolved not getting one and. They they had a, a version that was made I think in Korea or something that they um they kind of outsourced. That sounds real familiar to me. I but think they I've heard made that recently. 
Yeah, yeah. They make their own. I mean, everything's crafted in shop. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was thinking about getting one of those, and then one of these came up on, um, I guess, on Reverb, and it was in Denver, so I just kind of jumped on it. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I've been, they're, they're both really, really great guitars for different different applications. I, I remember, I remind myself periodically to bring that up in these interviews because I do have some tech geeks out there like want want to know like how do you play or what do you play through or what you're you know so this time I asked but I want to get back to what we were talking about before Cloudhopper and something you had said that uh, some of the titles of your song are are subtly political somewhat and sometimes they're just like blatant as in killer capitalism yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. that's the the, the last song we're going to hear from the glass key trio called killer capitalism tell us about that song so that song has actually been around for a little while before before this trio was together um i i wrote this song and um it's really uh it's kind of like a prog rock tune it's it's very mathy it's a lot of meter changes uh-huh. uh, but very rocking heavy um it's got a lot of different sections um and it's um in a lot of effects it's kind of more of a rock and roll song than anything else i would say mostly inspired by um you know groups like yes or you know uh jeff buckley is a huge influence and and he actually i think even the title kind of was influenced by uh jeff buckley he has a an album um that he was working on when he died yeah um called uh, that they re- they released afterwards called uh, sketches for my sweetheart the drunk and there's a song on there. It's actually the opening track called "Sky's a Landfill." Sky's a landfill, and um, so this song is kind of in, the title is kind of was kind of inspired by that because that's that song is kind of an anarchistic anthem. Um, yeah. So "Killer Capitalism" is my kind of contribution to the anarchistic anthem world. That's great. Well, yeah. let's let's hear your contribution, shall we? <laughs> The Glass Key Trio, our guest here on the Music of America podcast, and the last song we're going to hear from them is Killer Capitalism.
Killer Capitalism here on the Music of America podcast. Our guest today, Jeremy Blake from the Glass Key Trio. And Jeremy, this is the fun part of the show that we call Shameless Self-Promotion. So this is where you get to talk to us about you individually or the trio and how we can support you by your old albums, your new albums, your keychains, your coffee mugs, your t-shirts. Where's uh, What's coming up from February on through the rest of this year? Where can we hear you and where can we see you? So it's the 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 floor is yours, sir. Right on. Thank you so much. So probably the easiest thing to do is to go to Glass Key, the, or just Glass Key Trio, no, the glasskeytrio.com. Um, and from there, you can access everything. Our, our Bandcamp page is where we sell our merchandise. We do have a vinyl record. I just happen to have one right here. Um, which is available. This is uh, we have two two releases. One is a vinyl record. Um, this is called Apocalypse Fatigue, uh-huh. um, and then we we have uh, an EP as well. Um, both are are digital, um, but you can also get this on vinyl, and you can get that through our Bandcamp page. Um, there's links to that from GlassKeyTrio.com. There's also you can also go to SoundCloud, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. Yeah, um, which um, has some. Um, some stuff you can listen to for free. Um, and then we have a Facebook page under the Glass Key Trio. Um, right now, we are working on trying to book a uh, West Coast tour. We're looking at playing in Tucson, Phoenix, Los Angeles, um, San Francisco, and Portland. And probably with some good friends of ours out there. One of the great things about going on the road is being able to just see your friends. We have friends all over the country and yeah. we really love to just go and play music with them or share, share bills with them. And, and, and of course, dinner meals, <laughs> breakfast. So you bring drum, right? yeah, exactly for everybody. <laughs> um, we all, we all love to eat and uh, try new things and, and, you know, just seeing parts of the country and, and being exposed to, to music too. Uh, one of the things that I love about, playing music and touring music is, is being able to hear other people's music. Yeah. Podcast. You get to hear all this music that, you know, is probably not, you know, stuff that you would normally get exposed to. So a lot one of the things I'd like to, yeah, which is a really fantastic thing. And, and, you know, some of the best music, actually, I, not some of, I think pretty much all of the best music being made right now is the music that's really under the radar and you're not going to hear it on the radio. Um, unless you're listening to some like college radio or something very specific. So, you know, to be able to, if you're listening to this podcast right now, obviously you're. (laughs) Excellent. Are you okay? Yeah. All of a sudden (laughs) my throat just dried up and I felt this tickle and it's like, it's, it's not going to go away. I hit mute, but uh, <clears throat> okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Go ahead. So okay. three, three. I, I just want. Yeah, I just want to say that if you're, you know, if you're interested in in new music, and and you want to support, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you are. And I want to say, um, you know, if you go to glasskeytrio.com, you'll be able to. That's a good portal for our music. Um. Also, the group that I play with, Birth, if you want to check some of that music out, it's very different. Um, also, uh, I, I also want to say, you know, Tom, it's fantastic what you're doing. Um, this this kind of thing is it's hard to get out there, you know, if you're not, yeah. um, you know, Taylor Swift or somebody. <laughs> um, she doesn't have that problem. 
been on your podcast yet? I mean, you know, she she seems to be everywhere. And she's great, but I mean, the the idea is, you know, there's there's room for everybody, so it's really nice to have, you know, more than you know, a larger larger um, net to cast when you're right. listening for music. Well, uh, websites are the best. I mean, that's where you can find everything and links to everything, so we can buy your albums, buy your T-shirts, or whatever through Bandcamp, etc. Uh, Jeremy Black, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll have you on next year as uh representing birth how about that sounds great tom i would love that right, and man. then Thanks. maybe we can find in san francisco or in uh san, st louis, louis excuse me what's to do new year's resolution is to find uh contact people in st louis and in burlington vermont so that when bands like the glass trio want to come here i'll say well here contact this guy at this place or contact you know patrice at the grand slam or uh uh, tack at the big bear you know great grizzly or whatever something like that so there we go hopefully we'll see yeah, you in one great. of those markets all right man that was great that's uh the, right. glass, the glass key trio our guest today here on the music of america podcast up next join us which we go to albuquerque and meet the mint green elephants you've been listening to the music of america podcast if you like today's show please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.